Greetings Internet, it's Mr. Chris. That's right, the co-founder and the talent of the podcast of the Lincoln Geek crew is here. We are Mr. Dan Faceless today, so we are recording without him. It feels very strange doing the intro when Dan normally does this. I haven't done it for a while. But we've got Mr. Gregor, say hello. Hello, everyone. And we have Mr. Pete. Hello, everyone. This is a different lineup for once. We've got no Giorgio, we've no Dan. You know, what's going on? A few of us have been poorly over the Christmas holidays, so that's why we're a bit light on the ground today. Also, the people who aren't here are the people who are still enjoying their Christmas. And the people who are here are the ones that... uh, I don't know, what are we doing? (laughs) Working, mostly? (laughs) (laughs) You're back to work, I'm back to work. So yeah, I think so. Pete, are you back to work with your normal day job? No, I'm not back to work till the new year. I'm just vibing at home playing video games, living alone and growling at people who walk past my place. (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) And what about you, Mr. Gregor? My Christmas finished today. So uh, I'm back as of tomorrow. This is my last gasp at Christmas doing this sort of somewhat festive podcast with you. Yes. Exactly. No, it's nice. And when we're talking about games we've played over Christmas or we've received for Christmas, while I was fortunate to get some lovely gifts, I didn't get gifted any board games because no one knows what to get me because, one, I buy so many board games, I get sent so many board games, and we get sent so many board games, people weren't quite sure what to get me. So I ended up giving giving some other lovely things, but I've played some awesome games. In your case with board games, it's what do you get the man who has everything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if he and if he does want it, he tends to get it himself. Yeah, and which is nightmare. <laughs> my my wife hates it because she's like, I would like to get him a board game, but I don't know what he's backed on Kickstarter, and I also don't know what he's got upstairs in the massive calyx that is the collection. So it's always a quandary that my wife, you know, what she's going to get me for Christmas. All right, who wants to kick off then with what games they have actually played and or been gifted this Christmas? I can go first if you like. Go for it. I played this Christmas a Chroma the Warriors of Wishwell, which is basically a collectible card game designed by Realm Runner Studios, and they are a UK-based studio based down in Dorset, if I remember correctly. It's a fantasy-style card game, and it's got a very kind of Studio Ghibli-style art. It looks amazing, and it, it actually plays not too bad as well either. And it's accompanied by a digital app to aid the gameplay. Does it rely a little bit too heavy on the, on the app, maybe? Mm, I don't know. Uh, I've not played enough of it yet. Is it possible to play it without the app at all? Good question. I think you can play it without the app, but it does help because it keeps track of your shards and gaining and and removing shards from your opponent down to zero is the aim of the game. Right, okay, so it's more of a... The app is mostly for point scoring, but I assume with a nice theme rather than just being a calculator. Yeah, and exactly. (laughs) And and what's also nice with the app, you can unlock rewards, you can track your collection of your cards on your account as well with it. It's a lot of other things as well, which is quite cool. But the game itself plays pretty good. Um, and there's going to be a full review hit in the site uh, in the new year. Do you want to give us a summary of the game in about 30 seconds? You have um, creatures, uh, characters, uh, monsters to a certain degree um, in your 30-card deck that comes. There's two 30-card decks in, in it. You have draw, a draw step, attack step, and basically you can gain, drain, steal, prevent, and, tr- and even trade effects throughout the game. And it's a fine balance it's, a, it's about balancing out your resources and not spending too much where your opponent then decides to take away your shard value to bring you back down to zero. So it's a, 
It's a little bit of a gamble, but also playing on the abilities on your cards. So it's quite it's clever. It certainly grabbed my attention, and I'm intrigued by some of the other expansions because the different expansions have different characters and different abilities and different special abilities only available in those expansions. So while you can play them in the relevant expansions, so the Warrior of Wishwell itself can be played and there's enough in there for two players to play, you get more benefit by adding to the collection and customising the decks. Very nice. Pete, what have you played or been gifted? Sadly, I've not had the chance to play any games yet, but I was gifted a couple um, over Christmas. The first one I was gifted was a lovely game from my ever-wonderful aunt and uncle called Confident. I assume that's the, the game is called Confident. You don't, yes, have an, yes. you don't have an aunt and uncle Confident. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that too. Basically, the idea is you read out a question, such as on um, top of the deck, for example, how many feature-length uh, Pixar films have been released up to and including Luca, and you have to scribble on a board the range that you think it, you think it is. So off the top of my head, I think there might be between, say, 12 and 18 films released up until that point. And then once the answer is given out, the, the closer your, your range is to the actual answer, the more points you get. Okay. Yeah, so it sounds like a very, very nice um, game to play with, like a, a large group of people. Like, you know, it plays uh, 2 to 30, so... That's definitely something I would love to try. Two to thirty. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I can imagine that it'd be quite easy to make groups of people and teams yeah, that just yeah. have to agree with each other, right? Yeah, pub, pub quiz type type situation. Yeah. So that, that was very very nice of them because they always give me wonderful board games. So thank you very much to my aunt and uncle if you're listening. Talking of party games, one of the games that I've been playing the most, even though I owned it prior to Christmas, was I introduced both my parents and my fiancé's parents to Deception, which I don't... I can't remember whether we've already done a game spotlight for it, but it's sort of the first time that I've tried to introduce any family to social deduction games, generally. And I actually think it went quite well. Because often what I find that when I'm trying to get people into tabletop games more generally is where people struggle, especially at social events like Christmas, is they they don't want to have to do a lot of thinking and like hand management, usually. Whereas the thing with deception is that you don't really have to understand anything other than your role and the objects that are in front of each player. Yeah, I, I introduced multiple families to social deduction games. Excellent. It spreads even further. We're not at all fans of uh, social deduction games on our channel, are we? <laughs> yeah, well, one of the... Th- again, I cannot remember we've done the game spotlight on it, and I apologise if I, we're almost certainly covering old ground here, but the main thing that I like about Deception, you can play it very simply, where just you've got one person who's a murderer, one person who's a forensic scientist who knows who the murderer is and their murder clue and means of murder. Those cards are in front of them, and they very simply draw some tiles, silently place a bullet on each of the tiles to say uh, the cause of death. So, for example, suffocation, poisoning, accident, and where the death might have happened. So school, hospital, vacation home, building site, something like that. And then there's a selection of other tiles to choose from as well, which can be things like the murderer's personality or the time of day that the crime was committed. Basically, there's a lot of variability, but it's very simple to understand. You are literally just reading the words in front of you, going around the table and discussing who you think the murderer is, 
and then coming to a decision, handing in your badge, making your one accusation, and seeing if you can catch the murderer or not. I came to it through uh, you lovely people here, where we've played Mm. it on Tabletop Simulator Mm. a number of times, and the fact that it is a game where you don't have to memorise stuff or employ a lot of strategy, I think makes it work really well in a Christmas-type situation, even though it's about murder. Yeah. It is one of the few social deduction games that do not set my anxiety uh, alarms flaring whenever I am evil. So I can imagine to, to newbies to sort of um, social deduction games, it must be a lot easier to grasp than, say, that game which shan't be named, where one slip-up can uh, ruin um, two hours of planning. What game you're on about No, no. Um, Combat Sun Atlantica, I think it's called. <laughs> Chris, what other games have you played over the festive period? I played for the first time with Mr. Sam. I played Peter McPherson's Wormholes by AEG, and it's a spacefaring game. Basically, you're you're the captain of a passenger spaceship with a wormhole fabricator, uh, and you do this by building your network of wormholes and linking regions of the farthest of space and delivering passengers uh, to, to these areas. So you'll have nebulas, wild wormholes, black holes to navigate, uh, which change the course of the map. Basically, whoever wins the most points by connecting the planets and delivering passengers wins the game. Plays in about 45 minutes, minus a learning curve. So, of course, if you've, if there's, if you've not played this before, allow an extra 20 minutes to learn the rules. We picked up the rules quite quickly, so it was, qu- it was very easy to kind of pick up. It's got a solo mode, which is always good. Uh, so it's for one to five players, if I remember correctly, off the top of my head. And if you're a fan of Ticket to Ride, are there any fans of Ticket to Ride on the podcast? There are fans of Ticket to Ride on the podcast, yeah, as you okay. all know. This is, I think, better than Ticket to Ride. Hmm. I like Ticket to Ride, but what I struggle with Ticket to Ride is visualising the map. You've got to find places, and with this, finding the planets is easier and rather than trying to follow the defined routes on the map and, and, and bringing points together, this is about analysing your movement, deploying a one end of the wormhole, deploying the other end of your wormhole to then make it easier going back to those re- areas for any other passengers that might pop up who may need to go back to those destinations. You've got to think about uh, what's available on the map, what things you obstacles you've got in the way because you'll have asteroid belts and things pop up um, uh, which make it more tricky to, to try and get around the board and then you've also got air, um, things that can catapult you from one end to, to the other that doesn't require the use of your, your wormhole fabricator so it's very clever because it was sent to us for review by AEG and um, one of the things that you've said that I think I find most interesting about it is that unlike Ticket to Ride you're focusing more on the idea that there are passengers yeah. using these wormholes whereas Ticket to Ride is kind of abstract in the sense that you build a route and it's it's sort of done it assumes that all the passengers can just travel happily yeah. in most variants of Ticket to Ride and the the freedom of being able to explore space actually allows for a more interesting and I was going to use the word realistic and then I'm like oh no hold on it's about space and wormholes mm. but hopefully you understand what I mean the fact that you're actually transporting people through space yes. makes it come across as more of a realistic puzzle yes. than just building things from A to B no I, I get what you mean 
Yeah. And what's good about it is there's different levels of difficulty because the, the tiles, they're hex tiles, but they're in predetermined little clusters. Depending on the level of complexity that you want or the number of players, the level of difficulty of the map changes. And you can also make it even harder by just doing it randomized all over. And of course, like in, t- in Ticket to Ride, if someone blocks you off, you can't use it, can you? Um, Again, uh, it depends on the version. But depends yeah. on the version. Uh, but if you're looking at traditional version, if someone takes a route, you can't get there, that's it. But in this, you can use other people's wormholes, but you pay a fee to it. You can still score, you just have to you know, be smart about it. This isn't a podcast about Ticket to Ride, so I will <laughs> refrain from explaining exactly which versions of Ticket to Ride allow you to do that sort of thing mm. and exactly how it works. Yeah. Instead, I will ask Pete to share a game that he has played over Christmas. So one of the other games I was I was gifted during Christmas is one that's previously been discussed by you fine gentlemen, and that is uh, Cult of the Deep. <laughs> After we recorded the podcast, I basically did a quick Google of it and then emailed a few family members saying, you know, if you want to buy me a board game for Christmas, this is one to consider. (laughs) Okay. It is one I'm definitely very keen to play because as much as it can make me extremely anxious, I do enjoy social deduction games, especially with with you guys. Mm. And I I just have a fondness for the whole Lovecraftian horrors of the deep kind of art style and concepts and lore and mythology, just just all of that. So Mm. it sounds like a fantastic twist because I think it kind of goes in a different direction to some of the others from what I understand. It's less sci-fi or grounded and more fantasy, for lack of a better way of describing it. But again, I need to actually play this game. So hopefully at some point in a future meetup, I might see if I can can twist the arms of a few of my local friends into playing with me at some point. Mm. Oh, you definitely should because it's definitely a good game. Uh, We played it at our last get-together at uh, Virtually Golf in Lincoln. And what I like about it is it's not just your standard type of hidden agenda role-based game. There's elements of dice rolling as well, which is, and I love a good dice roller. And I know you don't have the best of luck with (laughs) dice rollers. Fun fact. Um, I'm impressed that you picked it because it is good. Actually, speaking of dice, my mum got me this giant novelty um, desk weight dice. And as a joke, I decided to roll it onto a sofa. It's, It's D6. I rolled a one. I expect nothing less. Yeah, same, nothing same. Less. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at the dice earlier, and they do, like, visually, they look fantastic. But yes, I am expecting to roll nothing but double daggers and be out of the game within about within the first five minutes. If people do want to find out more about Cult of the Deep, even though you've not played it yet, I understand that we have a full review of it on the website. Yes, we do. And we also have a full live show episode from like a year ago with our chat with Ed Stockton from BA Games Co. all about it. So, Perfect. Talking of games that are similar to Ticket to Ride in in theme, Mm -hmm. one of the games that I was gifted, which I also haven't played yet, it's by Osprey Games, but it's kind of a light game in a way that I didn't realise that they publish, and it's called Village Rails. You'll be crisscrossing the fields of England with railway lines, connecting villages together and navigating the complex and ever-changing demands of rural communities. As far as I can tell, like I said, I haven't played it yet, it's kind of a map tableau building game, so that the cards that you draw have railway lines on it and you are basically just trying to play your cards in a way that fulfills various objectives to create a map that for example serves different stations or connects to a certain type of card or Mm. something like that i had never heard of it before and i was intrigued about it i haven't 
and I've just looked at it, and it looks quite intriguing. Yeah, as far as I can tell, it came out this year, but no, I had not heard of it at all. I hadn't seen it anywhere. I, like when we went to Expo earlier this year, I hadn't seen it. I'm assuming it came out after then. And basically, you build a tableau around each player has a little L shape that they sort of build that constrains their map, so they cannot go more than four cards by four. Mm-hmm. And you earn money by completing different things, and the player with the most money wins, as I understand it. I love the artwork on it. It looks good. Yeah, it's very nice. It's got that sort of vibe of when you see, if you ever go to some of the more historic stations on the British Rail Network, Mm. and they've got the old posters up that encourage you to visit different cities, and it's all sort of watercolour and oil paintings of idyllic British rural scenes. Like That's very much the vibe that they're going for. It is, yeah. You do get that vibe very much. And I'm looking forward to actually giving it a go. Mm, fantastic. I look forward to hearing more about it. Pete, I know you had one more game you wanted to share with us. My other game is also both uh, aquatic-themed and also uh, one that was mentioned after your meetup, and that is Deep Sea Adventure, which I was having a look at all the parts. They look absolutely lovely. I particularly love the little wooden meeples. After I opened it, uh, unwrapped on Christmas Day, I should say, my mum turned to me and said, I was a bit surprised by that game. It was a lot smaller than I was expecting, because <laughs> uh, I'm guessing she was kind of expecting all games to sort of be about the size of Cold to the Deep or monopoly or that sort of thing but then i sort of like opened the box up and showed her some of the pieces and uh, she seemed quite impressed about that the main thing is that the meeples because you are diving in the game they all have a little diving helmet type thing on the meeple which i really think is cool agreed yeah the other thing is that all the meeples face a particular way because the idea is that you dive as low as you can go and then try and get back up again Mm. before you run out of air and air depletes with every player's turn depending on how much treasure they're holding yeah the meeples are designed cleverly for such a tiny little boxed game that it means that you know when someone is coming back up for air you know which way they're facing because you have to decide when you're turning around to come back up to the submarine to see if you can make it back with your treasure before the air unfortunately runs out and then there's a bit of randomization and that you don't necessarily know the value of the treasure it's a really good game i really like deep sea adventure and it's incredibly simple and the reason i was hoping you would talk about is i also had a chance at playing an oink game because that's the publisher oink games they're japanese i think off the top of my head yes i was just reading the names of the people making it and i <laughs> i recognize the names like oh julian goddard yeah I've seen, i I play japanese games with characters named like that oh okay <laughs> <laughs> i bow to your greater knowledge on <laughs> japanese culture on that one I mean, you say that, but it's mainly just me playing games like Persona and that sort of thing, so I'm not exactly a master. But yeah, no, I had the chance of playing another Oink game over Christmas as well, and it's a new Oink game. It's one that they'd sold out of at UK Games Expo, and also I understand that it's one of those that's technically in print, but every time that it someone gets a shipment, it sells out instantly because it won the Critics Prize at Essen this year, which means that it is the new hotness. Yeah. It's called Scout. Nominally, the theme is about you are a circus owner trying to scout acts for your circus, but the theme is quite thin, and actually it's mostly just an abstract game. You have a hand of ten cards, and you are trying to play sets and runs in order to beat the player that went before you. If you cannot do that, you can pay them to scout a card from their hand and put it into your hand so that it's in the right position for you to play a better set or run. When you play your cards, when you play a set or run, that's you putting on a show and then it's round to the next player to beat you. And the idea is that every time you beat someone, you get their cards and they are worth money. And every time someone scouts one of your cards, they have to pay you a little money token. And it's just the person with the most money at the end wins. I thought that while it was simple, it was 
pretty fun for a little box game like that. It's definitely something that I'll I'll have my eye out for for actually getting mm. a, getting a copy into my own hands in 2023. Yeah, I've heard good things about it as well. I've seen it being talked about, and yes, it's proving very popular scout at this moment. Yeah. I was just had a quick Google of it, and I agree, it looks absolutely fantastic. Definitely one I will uh, look at picking up at some point in the not-too-distant future myself. I, I generally do love Oink games, generally. At some point, I have told Chris that I may do, because they're all quite small games, mm. I might just do mini-reviews for all of them that could go out across on the website across the series mm. yeah. of a week. Uh, that may happen in 2023. Uh, so I suppose there's only one place you really ought to go, Chris, if that's something that you want to keep an eye out for. Yeah, and, and that, of course, is doalg.co.uk or diaryofalinkinggeek.com. If you aren't following us, you can check us out on all our relevant social media platforms, which are all also available via the website. And, of course, our Discord. So if you want to chat to us and maybe arrange to play some games with us, then please pop on and check that out as well. It'll be 2023 by the time this goes out. So if I don't speak to you all beforehand, especially listeners out there, have a happy new year. Yeah, happy new year to everyone. Thank you and happy new year to you as well, both you two and the listeners. Take care and stay safe and keep gaming, everyone.